Hello and welcome to Real You Real Money. You're in for a real treat today. Today I'm doing something I've never done before on the podcast and I'm sharing a free workshop with you all that I recorded, I think it was July or August of this year. It's called Freedom from Money Drama. I love delivering it and as the doors to plenty are currently open, I felt like it was a really good thing to share with you all to A, just give you some real tangible lessons around how you can banish money drama from your life and from your business, around why that drama happens in the first place, and of course, what you can do about it. This workshop was an absolute joy to deliver, and I'm really excited for it to live here on the podcast for you all. It is packed with value, and I know that you are going to get so much out of it. As I talk about in the workshop, the doors to plenty are currently open. If you are ready to join us, if you're ready to really commit to making the money that you, maybe you sense that you're made for, maybe if you're honest, you're starting to really know you were meant for, plenty is absolutely the place for you. You may be seeing, if you're not on my email list, get on my email list. You might have seen me talking about the various plans that I've got for Plenty. So we are moving to weekly coaching calls, group live coaching calls every Thursday at midday British time. We also have a whole new section of the course that is going to launch, probably get to it in January because what's going to be happening from November is a live version of the course where everybody in the course goes through Plenty together which is such a beautifully powerful thing to do. And I've never done it in our lifetime access community in this way before. So I cannot wait to see the shifts that take place with us all going through that work together. And then once we get to it in January, which is perfect timing, if you ask me, we will be doing some what I'm terming choose your own adventure style money making experiments where you get to pick let's say visibility, it could be a selling adventure you want to go on, it could be a community building one, it might be that you want to make a certain amount of money. And I give you ideas, framework, plans, workbooks that help you come up with your plan for what you're going to do and go out there and do that all within the beautiful support of the community and of course my coaching. This round of plenty promises to be an absolutely stellar one. So if you've been around my work for a while and you are ready to join us to commit to being part of what I think is a movement, the plenty movement, please do take this opportunity to sign up. What I will say is if you're listening to this on the day of its release, the price goes up tomorrow. So on Friday the 13th is the last day you can buy plenty at its current price of £1,500. So make that choice, choose to join us at that price, or you can, of course, give yourself a little bit more time to think about it and join us for the brand new price of £2,000. The payment plan is staying the same in terms of the monthly amount, but you will just have a couple more payments. All right. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoy the No More Money Drama workshop. Welcome to Real You, Real Money, the podcast that will inspire you to love all of who you are and love making big money all at the same time. I'm Ray Dodd, your host and resident money coach, and week in, week out, I'm here to remind you that your feelings and experiences of money have nothing to do with who you are and everything to do with who you've been told you have to be. This podcast is all about powerful conversations that will support you in building a business that reflects who you actually are. This is not a one-size-fits-all style podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates the individual you are, and more than that, believes your uniqueness is the key to you making the sort of money you truly want to. Thank you for being here. Let's do this thing. Thank you for coming along to Freedom From Money Drama, which is a brand new workshop. I'm really excited to share some of this stuff with you. So you might be here because things have not taken off money-wise as you'd hoped in your business. 
You feel your ambitions, big ambitions, keenly, but you sometimes wonder how they can exist against the levels of self-doubt and questioning you have. You want to sidestep the brain drama that's keeping you from truly unleashing the money, making parts of you that feel like they just can't get their footing right now. It's a very discombobulating feeling because it's like you've got two people inside you Often it's the part of you before you started to consider this was possible and the part of you that has now moved into a place, but it's almost like the two people still exist. Or perhaps you are making more money than you expected to, and yet you feel like you're always waiting for the bottom to fall out of the whole thing. You thought that by making more money, the brain gremlins would have calmed down by now, but instead it's like they've just found a new angle to come up with you, uh, to come at you with, a new song to sing, and you want to feel free to expand what you're already doing. A big part of you knows you are made for even more than you have now. And for some people, both if you're already making money and if you're more in that struggling to get a foothold place, you can feel both things. You can feel like you are grateful for what you've got, but you can feel a little guilty that you want even more, or, and I'm going to talk about this later, but sometimes even when we've not written, we've not even got enough, we feel guilty that we could want more because there's always somebody worse off, right? And I know that a lot of you are very empathetic, kind, like caring's too small a word. Like you care about changing the world. You care about other hu- how other humans experience their lives in the world. And it sometimes feels like by you making money, it's taking up their space. It's infringing on them rather than it's benefiting them. So yeah, you want to feel free to expand what you're already doing. And a big part of you knows you are made for even more, but you worry about how you'll find the time and the emotional energy for it. If you're in that emotional roller coaster, it can be really difficult for your, even if it's your subconscious brain, to consider how you do more because your brain just goes, but that's going to be even more. How can I make more money than what I'm already making? It's so stressful. Sometimes money feels totally out of your control. It's like waiting for a lottery win, feeling both hopeful and yet powerless within it. Like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? What if it didn't have to be that way? What would it feel like to know that you have more power and agency than you have imagined to make the money you want? whilst feeling grounded, rooted, sorry, in grounded excitement. Grounded excitement is a phrase that me and a client came up with, and I love it because sometimes part of the emotional drama, the money drama, doesn't is, is like there's a frenetic, sometimes out of control excitement. Does anyone else get that? But what we want to do is we don't want to take the excitement out of it. That's another fear a lot of people have that once they go into making more money, it will feel so dry and awful. We want it to feel exciting. We want it to feel playful and expansive in that way. But we also want it to feel grounded and not like it's getting away from you. There are so many feelings that come with this money stuff. I think that the excitement is really, really important, by the way. It's something we talk a lot about in Plenty, uh, um, which is my money program. Um, We will often say, like, does that actually feel exciting to you, though? Because one of the things, and some of you will have experienced this, you can let me know in the comments, but how many times have you come up with an idea? You're like, that's a great moneymaker. It's so sensible. It makes sense on paper. And then you go to sell it and you're not particularly excited about it, but it makes sense. Like it's good. And you go to sell it and it's like tumbleweed because you don't, you're not behind it in that same way. And yet sometimes we'll launch something or sell something that on paper doesn't make a lot of sense. And yet, it just takes off because of the excitement and the energy that fuels it. Whether money is coming in or not, whether your business is flourishing or not, it feels like a lot. A roller coaster of feelings that you long to get off. And you have some big plans and some even bigger ideas. And more than that, you have a deep sense that there is more. Right. So I wanted to briefly define what I mean by money drama. So money drama is the doubt the over-questioning, the spinning on your heels, the avoiding, the over-delivering and spiraling, the one minute we're up, one minute we're down, that so many of us experience in our businesses. So often those thoughts and feelings and experiences are triggered by money. Money can be made the bogeyman or bogey person sometimes in that we blame prices very easily or we say like, oh, everything would be fine with my business if I was just making enough money. And we measure our success often 
by how much money we're making and within that and again this is something we talk about a lot about in plenty what we're actually allowing to count within all of that like so we I have so many clients say to me oh you know I got in this this client but it doesn't really count because they came via a friend or yeah but that's my freelance work not my business that I'm running so that doesn't really count and we constantly keep ourselves in a state of less safety because weirdly our brain is used to that feeling feeling a lack of safety and whatever your brain is used to and I'm totally jumping ahead here but whatever your brain is used to it breeds a safety so if your brain is used to you feeling stressed and anxious around money it will actually try and keep you there and what we're going to talk about today is how we shift away from that so money drama is a fight flight freeze or fawn response fight looks like heart banging in your chest adrenaline pumping it really looks like working harder and harder and harder and can lead to a cycle of burnout it's almost like we are in a fight with money and we've got to win the more we do the more we show it the harder we work the harder we hit the more money we're going to make as if money's going ah now you have reached the amount you were meant to reach sometimes I talk about this can't remember if I do it in this or not about it's almost like once you get your effort up the money gods shine on you and go aha you've reached the amount of effort I will bestow you with gold and that's clearly not how any of this works also when you're in that fight space and let me know in the comments if you resonate with that fight space your clients feel it they feel like they are being fought for they feel like they are being chased it's not the most pleasant experience to be on the receiving end at times. So it can lead to a cycle of burnout, feeling like you are lost or were overpowered by your feelings and results. So it feels like, oh, it didn't happen. I can't do it. I'm trying. I'm fighting. I'm fighting and I'm losing. That happens. And it often leads you further into flight. So when you've been fighting and fighting and fighting, what can happen is you go, oh, my God, I'm lo- I've lost the shame of losing sends you into running away. So we see this a lot for those of you that launch, like if you run a products-based service, if you're a coach, if you do service, if you're a service-based business, you might do launches where you're intensely selling one, one thing. And what you see, I see a lot with this is people dropping them midway through. They start off with fight. I'm posting, I'm posting, I'm posting. They don't get enough. I'm selling, I'm selling, I'm showing up. They hit a certain point, normally midway through, where it's normal, by the way, for there to be a lull in sales and everything drops out and they go, oh my God, it's not happening. And they either literally fly off, just disappear, bury their heads, or they like limp to the finish line, not really doing, not really showing up, not really like doing a couple more emails, but certainly they don't maintain that momentum yeah and like sometimes like all of these things have a purpose I would just want you to know so we are body is meant to move through these things sometimes it's important that your body is telling you to run off for a bit because it is a safety thing often though we get stuck we get stuck in them so freeze just opting out not doing it, can't do it, won't do it. That's a freeze response. Or perhaps, and this is something that was added by some feminists somewhere, I think, is perhaps your fawning, which is a particular thing that people conditioned as women will show up as. And this looks like when you're um, when you're doing what is expected of you. So you're visible, but in ways that please the most amount of people the most amount of the time. Fawning is making your eyes really big and trying to make yourself as acceptable as possible. So when you're in a fawning response, your content is likely to be generic. Your pricing is likely to be mid-tier. You don't want to be noticed. You want to be just seen as acceptable and okay. This often means you don't get the results you want and it can feel really weird. You are present, but it's not happening. And it's because you are fawning. You are trying to keep yourself safe by appealing to as many people as possible. This is often triggered by conflicting. So all of that I've just talked about, that that fight, flight, freeze, fall and response is often triggered by conflicting feelings about what you need and want versus what you've been taught you have to do to be safe and successful. Always remember 
how linked money is to survival. It's so linked. It will feel like life and death often. How many of you are trying to decide a price and it literally feels like your business is going to live or die by whether or not you charge 10 pounds more, 100 pounds more? Like it feels like such a weighty decision. And that obviously really amps up the drama. What's more dramatic than impending doom? In reality, what is happening, and this is the whole purpose of those, I'm not going to say them again, four Fs, because they're hard to say each time, is, is your protector kicking in. Your protective parts are keeping you safe. It's kicking you into meltdown. It's kicking you into confusion, overwhelm, freeze, procrastination, to get you to stay in the places it knows. Even if, and this is what I was saying just earlier, they don't really benefit you. Your protector believes that the only way to keep you safe is to hold you tightly in what is familiar. Brains work, our subconscious brain works on patterns that it recognizes. If any of you are neurodiverse, this can be even more true because we are excellent at pattern recognition. And so your brain really wants to keep you in certain spaces because it wants to keep you safe and what it knows it believes to be safe, which is why one of the first things that we work on in Plenty is where we believe that while we want to make more money, one of the questions I often ask is, how does not making money keep you safe? And the answers are things like, well, I don't have to stand out. I don't have to take risks. I don't have to risk failing. I don't have to risk. And I think this is such a huge one. I, don't, I feel this acutely frequently. I don't know how many of you do, but I don't have to feel like if I, if I state what I want and don't get it, like how, how will I cope with that? If I really acknowledge how deeply I want something and it doesn't happen, then what happens? And so we're keeping ourselves in these familiar spaces because they are the known, I don't want to say evil, even though I think that's an expression, but it's better the devil you know, basically. If we know it, our brain knows what it is. It doesn't know how to compute this new view that we are looking for. And this is where I get excited because often any of my clients will say something to me and they'll <laughs> and they'll be like, Ray, I realize it's this and it's really hard. And I'm like, I have lots of empathy and feelings for that, but also I'm excited because when you notice things, when you start to understand that all of these things are A, that your brain is trying to keep you in spaces that you don't want to be in, which makes a lot, when I first realized that, how much sense does that make? Because how often are we trying to break out of patterns and we're like, I just can't break out of this pattern. And yet I know it's not helping me. Why would I want to stay in it? And once you understand, actually your brain does want you to stay in that. I know that I felt so much less broken because I'm not being like, oh, this actually, it doesn't serve me, but it does feel more safe. And so I get excited with this because it means you have the power to change what you know to be true. You can expo expose your brain and nervous system to new ways of being that do support you. And you can recondition that beautiful brain of yours. We're going to talk about that more in a bit. Giving you choices and freedom to see and experience money so very differently. So differently. And so where we can feel like the path is laid out for us, where we can feel like people like me can't, where we can feel like I'm just never going to, I've never managed this. Suddenly, when we start to understand where this stuff truly comes from, then we are able to understand the freedom and choices that are available to us. Okay, so this is three ways your conditioning is fueling your money drama. Number one, you're stuck in what will people think if I price at that amount, sell that much, that frequently, like show up that much, say what I actually think, own my brilliance, go all in, like really be like, you know, this is what I want. This is the kind of business I am. I, one of the things that I have spoken to so many clients about and noticed for myself is we can often think that we need to wait until we get the audience before we show up as a successful business owner. And actually, generally, it's the other way around. 
but we wait. We wait because we don't have the audience to validate showing up as if things are working. And yet it's showing up in that way that gets you the audience. Not in a like you're pretending things are, aren't what they are, but we think we have to have a certain level of audience or income in order to say the things we think in a certain way in order to put out that sort of content or the frequency of the content or whatever it is or certain offers or all the different things or for our business to look the branding to look a certain way all this all that stuff so we don't go all in because we feel like we need permission for it which is actually a different part of the conditioning wheel that, that I'm going into so number one you're stuck in what people think and this often goes a step further into how will people feel if I how many of you, there is an element of, what did I say on the other, like, what will people think? But there's also like, am I going to really harm people? What if I move away from what is affordable and people can't access my work? What if I email my community every day and I put stop badgering me there because I wanted to remember something? For those of you that were born or grew up in the 80s, 90s, probably early 2000s and before, I'm sure, which I'm imagining is all of you. I really remember sort of where if I was asking too many questions or chatting too much or what, you know, all of that stuff, which happened a lot. I know a lot of people that come into my world are people that identify with feeling like they were too much at various stages. That feeling of stop badgering me, my mum and dad would say, like, will you just stop asking me all these questions? Will you just stop? Will you just being too much? And I think that comes up a lot, actually, in our selling and in our emailing people and all of that stuff is that we there's a childlike part of us that feels like we'll be badgering people, feels like we'll be too much for them and that they'll reject us. What if how will people feel if I say something that offends them? How will people feel if I'm not humble enough or I come across as arrogant? How will people feel if I make more money than them? This is kindness. This is what we call, I was going to show you all and I did, it's not on purpose that I haven't, but in plenty we have, it's now, it's, I'm about to change it into a seven part um, framework. It's a, at the moment it's six because I took something out, but we're talking about that today and I'm putting it back in. I always say it's an evolving thing. Um, and it's got seven different aspects of our conditioning and we work through each one in the course. This is one of my most talked about ones and that has so many different aspects to it. So this is kindness at all cost conditioning that we're talking about here. It occurs when we are so locked into our society expected role of carer that we put everyone's needs before our own. Our commitment to being seen as kind and caring is higher than our commitment to making money. And I know that sounds strange, but both are linked to survival. You've got to remember that, yes, money pays for food and shelter, but that's not our only thing that we need to survive. The other thing we need to survive is a community. And when your role has been societally has been to be the carer of people, and that has been a much more praised and I can't think what the word is, but been seen as a much more key role. That is what we are more concerned about. Also, many of us have been conditioned to be looked after by somebody else or be OK with the bare minimum. So I don't want to say all people have been conditioned. I know particularly for women of um, colour sometimes they have been depending on different cultures and stuff they can be conditioned to actually be the earners or to be looking after everybody they don't, aren't having someone to come and look after them but there is also this message of you should be okay with the bare minimum so we end up trying to prove and also there's stuff around that about having to appear nice so that you don't seem angry and all of those things and so we put caring of people above eating because actually, if it came down to it, if we're truly being caring, we wouldn't eat, would we? We'd make sure that somebody else got our food. So <laughs> that's what the conditioning looks like. So this kindness at all cost stuff runs really deep. Being seen as unkind or unlikable is actually more of a threat to us than not having food, not having shelter. Being unlikable is not something that is available to many intersections of humans. Kindness or costs causes much drama because we are fighting to survive. Our inner turmoil fears what we will lose if we choose what we need over what we believe they need. Their needs come first. It actually doesn't consider what your clients and customers need. 
that's super important. It considers how, how to be perceived as kind, but we're looking through at that through the lens of a racist patriarchal society that prioritizes protection of the few over empowerment for the many. So it might seem like we're doing our clients a service, but one of the examples I wanted to give, now I wanna be really clear, I am not pro or anti low or higher amounts. Obviously in my work, I do end up talking to a lot of people about raising their rates and the vast majority of people even like they're not anywhere near high ticket, but they do still need to be pay, be charging more in order to actually be able to live well um, or just live. But what I've been having chats with my mastermind people quite a bit about the way that when we invest in, in certain amounts, we show up differently to when we see an investment as a throwaway investment. And we've got to ask ourselves what's more ethical somebody spending money on something because it's like, oh, sure, I'll pay that. That's nothing that they never use. Someone investing more and it being part of, and I want to be really clear, part of, not the whole thing, why they show up and do the work that could be quite sticky. I always think about a colleague of mine who did this amazing, like, pre-launch for a course she was doing it was a quiz and everyone was talking about it and they and people were like this is amazing and at the time I was running running a money group and I think I shared the link to the quiz and was like this is incredible you should all do it it was like doing a personality quiz and having your mind read it was absolutely brilliant and then when she went to launch the course which knowing this person well I have no doubt was absolutely life-changing and incredible she charged 97 pounds for it and the comments in my group turned to, oh, I'm a bit disappointed in what she's launching. I thought it was going to be amazing. All they knew about was the price. But because they deemed that price to be relatively low, throwaway price that, you, you know, which was probably this person's thinking was, oh, this will be a no brainer for people. Everyone will want it. They actually doubted the transformation. And I have no doubt that for £97, those people's brains would have been blown. Their lives would have been changed. But they didn't buy it because the price didn't line up with what they thought they were going to get, what the, what the initial launch promised. And I always find that so interesting. So remember that just pricing low because it seems kind doesn't actually say anything or consider what your clients are going to need from that investment. And that it might be that it makes perfect sense. I'm not saying everybody needs to charge high amounts so that people commit. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is just think about it. What's going on there? What do people, you know, what do you want people? What part, what part is the price playing in what you're offering? So what happens when we come from a place of plenty with all of this? We make decisions that benefit us and other people because that means we do our best work our most impactful work how many of you have priced low to please other people and then when people pay the price that you set you get your it's like you're hurting your own feelings because they're like you're like oh I'm super resentful about this and I want to do this work and we start to act as if that person chose to pay us <laughs> so anyone else done that like oh why are you only paying me this much well because I set that price. So it, it takes away from our energy. It doesn't let us, it, it can mean we're not calling in the right people depending on the offer. So when we come from a place of plenty, we are prioritizing what safety feels like for us, which is the only safety we can truly ever understand rather than everyone else's safety over our own and we understand that we never actually knew what safety felt like for others anyway. We were deciding for them. The amount of people that decide for other people how much they can afford. We don't get to decide that. We don't get to police that to alleviate our own kindness at all cost conditioning. We have to trust people to make their own money decisions. And many of you will work more, because I know this happens a lot in the online space with people I work with. A lot of you will work more with women than you do with men or more with people socially conditioned as women. And what we're doing when we get into our clients' pockets in this way, because we think it's caring and kind and thoughtful, is we're actually not trusting women and people conditioned as women with money. 
which is patriarchal bullshit. We have to start trusting one another in this way. And it starts with us untangling our own conditioning. And you know what? People love to be trusted. They love it. They rise to that occasion so much. Number two, you're scared to take up space. You're keeping your ideas and goals achievable. You don't want to aim too big. You're curtailing what you really think. Prices stay mid-range or low so you don't stick out. You are not particularly visible in your business life. Underline you. I don't just mean photos. What I mean is you. You don't come across in your words. You don't come across in your offers. Maybe you're not coming across in your pricing and you're not coming across in the amount you're earning. I absolutely believe that we have amounts. It's really hard to explain this, but amounts that just mirror us, that, that slot in for us, that are a good match for who we are. They're not based on our worth. They're just based on who we are, what feels good to us. And so when that that amount, the amount we're making is not a good reflection of that, it can lead to things feeling really squiffy. This is what staying small looks like. It's very, very linked to kindness at all costs, by the way, because many of us are, um, have been taught to believe that staying small and not being too much is a kindness to others. I am somebody that people often think is too much. And I always tell the story of going to have Reiki a while ago and walking into the room and every, plenty of people have heard the story a gazillion times, but it is one of my favorites. Walking into the room, not saying anything to the person and she just went, oh, you've got an intimidating aura. I was like, hi, nice to meet you. So it was like my presence and this has happened. I could tell you multiple stories of where this has happened to me. It was like my presence was unkind I'd intimidated her by walking into a room hadn't even said a word and so we really believe that staying small will cause people less harm it's also a massive part of staying safe if we stay small we remain unnoticed or less noticed so for some people in certain bodies they can blend into the background and no one's going to see them for other people women of a certain size women whose skin is not white, people whose gender presentation doesn't fit into societal norms, they can't hide. It's not a possibility. But what they can do is not stick out anymore. So they blend in. So they stay small so that their very essence, who they are, is, is only as offensive as it quote unquote has to be. Does that make sense? It looks like not speaking up, not disagreeing, not dreaming big, expect, accepting your lot and being grateful for what you're given, even if those are crumbs. Staying small causes much drama because you are hiding to feel safe, but you are also desperate to feel seen. This is what happens when we don't sell our stuff boldly and loudly. We don't show up in the ways that we want to. And we know we are, we are not doing that. And yet we, when we don't get the sales, we're like, fuck's sake, see, I'm terrible. People don't like me. But it's, it's, like, it's like going to someone's house, knocking on their door, like, I don't know if you're going to be able to hear this, super lightly, I'm not sure what mic I'm using. I don't know if that was light, <laughs> really lightly, just tapping on their door, skulking away and being like, I really wanted to see you, but you didn't answer your door. I feel so rejected by you. Well, hang on a minute. They were there, but they didn't hear you. Did they reject you? Why didn't you knock harder? Why didn't you ask to be seen? Why didn't you call them? Why didn't you call a friend and see? Do you see, like, you had so many choices. But staying small means that if you had not loudly, maybe they still wouldn't have answered the door. Maybe they didn't want to see you. And so you, you avoid the risk of rejection. You want the validation of people buying your stuff, but you're so scared to show up in the ways that will lead to that. It's a vicious cycle. And it keeps perpetuating because the less you sell, the harder it is to show up. And so it just keeps going and going. And in a coaching world that increasingly puts an emphasis on allowing your feelings, which I'm really pro, by the way, this can be a hard one to move through because it is going to feel uncomfortable. And that's okay. And I think that's where the pendulum has swung. We've gone from, and in certain corners of the internet, 
you still experience the whole like bypass your feelings, bypass your feelings stuff. Absolutely. Like think positive thoughts all day, every day. But in the corners of the Internet that some of you will be in or some of you are venturing into by being in this space with me, what we can sometimes do is feel like we shouldn't go anywhere near like, oh, it doesn't feel good. Therefore, I shouldn't do it. And actually deconditioning, which is what we're really talking about here, is not comfortable work, but it's incredibly powerful. It's incredibly important. And it's necessary. So what happens when we come from a place of plenty with this staying small stuff? This might sound surprising, but the answer is not that we play big. And that's really, really important. The answer is that we, uh, what actually happens is we play actual size. The idea that successful things are big and unsuccessful things are small is gendered and patriarchal and yucky. I don't like it. We do not need to play big. And it always makes me think of that, that meme that says the phrase play big or go home really underestimates how much I want to go home. <laughs> which feels like like you've taken they've taken my brain and made it into a meme we don't need to play big we need to play actual size and in fact the world is incredibly unbalanced at the moment we've got people doing things they shouldn't be doing in roles that they shouldn't be in and we've got many many people not in roles that they should be in we want people to play at their own size we want people to take up space to the capacity that not just that they have because that's been conditioned out of us but that is our natural state once we pull off the layers that have been handed down to us. You play you-sized. Some of our biggest dreams can seem small when they are looked at through a catalyst lens because so many of them are so countercultural. For example, if your dream is to work part-time in your business, if your dream is to make a certain amount of money actually with a small audience, Someone would say, well, you should shoot for more. You should shoot for a big income and a big audience. But actually, go, going in the opposite direction to the current, to what everyone's saying you have to do, that can be a bigger dream. Number three, you are focused on getting it right, being correct. You feel like you just don't know where to start. You're waiting. This is a, a phrase you often hear is that people are like, I just don't know what to do. And something that um, I heard someone say a long time ago was you do know what to do. You just have so, you know, so much that you don't know where to start. It's very rare that people's issue is they don't know enough in these days of this much information. It's more, I know so many things I could do and I just don't know what's me. And that's often because conditioning is muddying your ability to really trust yourself and hear your own inner knowings. You're waiting on a bigger audience or more experience or more sales before you show up frequently and or openly. You stop and start a lot. You work a lot on things behind the scenes, but rarely actually market and sell your work. When I, mean, when I say selling, I don't just mean people buying. I mean going out and saying, come buy my stuff. This is what perfectionism looks like. So this is the part of the, triangle, the uh, framework sorry, that I took out because it does fit into so many different slots, but I've decided to put it back in because it's just so massive. And this one is very, very linked to staying small, right? Because we there's such a narrow margin for error. Well, there is no margin for error when you're trying to be perfect. And so it keeps us small. It keeps us contained. Many of us are taught that we are not worthy unless what we offer is exactly right. We are taught that we should be endlessly grateful for any crumbs we are offered. It looks like not taking action, freezing, and it looks like imposter syndrome because we are, can never be good enough. Perfectionism causes much drama because you are never enough. And it honestly breaks my heart. It keeps you in constant overdrive, constantly trying to prove your worth. It's exhausting. It causes large amounts of hypervigilance, always trying to spot the place you are failing. It's an exhausting, no-win situation. What money really wants is for your energy to be as neutral about it and you, as in it wants you to feel neutral about yourself. It doesn't want you thinking you're terrible. It also doesn't want you thinking you're the best thing ever because that can have its own issues. So money wants what money really wants is for your energy to be as neutral about it and you as it is about you. Money does not care. Money does not care how perfect you are, how kind you are how big or small you are, doesn't care. That means money does not love it when you require something from it. 
money really wants a very healthy dynamic with you. And by healthy dynamic, I mean, think about the difference between a relationship that requires perfection from you. That's not a healthy relationship versus one that accepts you as you are. Money accepts you as you are. You also need to accept money as it is. (laughs) That's maybe a whole nother workshop. But you want to have that we talk about it in plenty as detachment. You want to have that healthy detachment from money. And it loves that. So four steps to getting free from money drama. These are some things that you can do. Build powerful money beliefs. You have been brainwashed by a society that has tricked you into thinking that when you take action, when you do things, things aren't going to happen for you. But you were created for so much more. The delusion that you sometimes feel, so we talk about this in plenty a lot, that people start to work on their powerful money beliefs and they're like, I feel like I'm deluding myself, right? That's because you've been deluded into thinking you can't, not because you've been deluded into thinking like you've never been told that you can. And so as you start to step into what is really available to you, it feels like delusion. Building powerful, not simply positive, Money beliefs is a fundamental foundation for alleviating the drama. Beliefs that make space for it all. And that's super important. Number two, decondition that beautiful brain of yours. The stories we've inherited from our families, culture and society at large are plentiful, potent and powerful. And they're sitting on top of all the very many choices you have. I really want you to know that one of the big things that deconditioning works is it work does, sorry, is it reveals choices. It makes us realize that where we thought we had to, we like had to do one thing or two things, we can actually do hundreds of things. And that can feel overwhelming, but generally that's not what I see. I don't see people going, oh my God, so what do I do? What I see is people taking a big exhale and knowing exactly what they wanted to do all along and being able to step into that. It's really beautiful. Running a business without deconditioning work is like doing an obstacle course blindfolded. You you don't know why you're tripping up. Mindset and belief work without deconditioning work is A, far less effective and B, in danger of recreating the very systems we're striving to escape. How many of us create, so one of the other things we talk about in plenty is toxic professionalism. An an example of toxic professionalism is creating working hours that actually don't suit us because we're we're supposed to work this point, not supposed to work at the weekends. I'm supposed to work nine to five. I have to be at my desk. I mustn't be at my desk. All those different things that that kind of come in. And actually, we just want to do it our way. That's the most effective way. Number three, ground yourself in plenty. Plenty means a large or sufficient amount or quantity. It means more than enough. I talk a lot about the fact that I don't love the word abundance. Abundance means a very large quantity of something. And I hope you can see the difference between those two definitions. The reason I'm not such a fan of abundance is because of the way it's misused sometimes. It's not that I'm going to cancel you if you use the word abundance, but it can be a bit misused. And sometimes with the people that talk about that a lot, there's a sense that there's enough for me and my people who are at the top. But I'm still going to be protective of that amount. And we saw that in July of 2020 when George, when the stuff happened with Black Lives Matter after George Floyd's murder, where there were a number of big coaches who preach abundance all day, every day, not willing to come up and talk about it in case they put people off. Where's your abundance in that moment? Well, in a way, that makes sense when abundance means a a finite large amount, whereas plenty means more than enough. Plenty to share is what I always think of it. There's so much we can be generous with it. Plenty of clients, customers, opportunities, goodwill, email subscribers, opportunities, and of course, money. Okay, take action. Imperfect, messy, experimental action. We are rewriting the old ideas of how things should be done. It's not going to look clean and tidy. It should never have looked so clean and tidy in the first place. The danger of points one, two, and three is they feel like you're doing, but they have to, that has to lead somewhere. They have to inspire movement. So building those beliefs, coming from a place of plenty, deconditioning your brain, all has to lead to you behaving in a different way. This is where you own that ambition of yours and you lean on the self-trust that is built in parts one, two, and three. And lastly, 
possibly my favorite bit although if that feels like picking like choosing a child because I'm very fond of all the things I've just said there's so much evidence about the power so do all of this in a supportive community is point number five there's so much evidence about the power of a supportive and inspiring community one that not only accepts you um, for you but celebrates you for that one that allows you to ask your questions to have your wobbles and who celebrates the big and small with you too money talk has been so hidden from us that an open money themed community is incredibly disruptive in a good way to our conditioning it's a brain rewriting tool all of its own so let me introduce you to plenty i'm very excited by the new tagline for plenty it says break free from the money drama and unleash your potential to build the ambitious business you actually want I love that so much. <laughs> so Plenty is a money coaching program for online business owners that teaches you how to free your brain from the outdated ways you've been taught money has to be. You'll learn how to break neurological, behavioral, societal and generational patterns and free yourself to run a business that doesn't compromise your values and honors who you are. I've got a slide coming up about the values of the community that I, I absolutely adore as well, which grows into that some more. Plenty frees you to charge the amounts that line up with where you want to be. So like I said, we are not pro or against any kind of prices. You're, my most common question is like, how do you feel about that? How can we make that feel cleaner for you? Like I said, money loves to feel us to feel neutral and excited, but it wants us to feel clean around what we're doing. You'll learn how to feel truly confident in your prices. You'll learn how to bring in money that allows you to live and give in the ways that you want to, to build powerful, robust money beliefs that consider the world that we live in. And by that, I mean, these are not emotional bypassing beliefs. These are beliefs that actually encompass your doubts, that allow you to have those questions and thoughts. It's a place where you can unravel your conditioning, your assumptions, your belief, your judgments, and your feelings around money. And I have to say, it's a very like as as unjudgmental the places we can make it I don't want to say safe place because that's all sorts of different things it's a place where you get to go I'm thinking this I'm feeling this what are the thoughts and I will come in and other people will come in and chat to you do it in the community do it on calls there's lots of spaces for that and it's a place um, to free yourself from the places you're playing small and move into playing you sized so what's included there's quite a few things <laughs> I'm not one for not I'm um, like I like to give it all. So you've got the plenty course content, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, including build powerful money beliefs, which is the first module of the course and is something that I've sold on its own, but it's now in plenty. Ongoing forever. Once you are in, you're in, by the way, with plenty. So you pay your £1,500 as a couple of payment plans for that. And once you're in, you're in. So straight away, you can come on the Zoom calls. At the moment, I have absolutely no plans to close plenty like none so for as long as I run the course you get access to twice monthly coaching calls your access doesn't run out so at the moment those on the first and third Thursday of the month at 10 a.m because most of our people are in the UK as things expand and as we get people from other places I will absolutely do my best to accommodate that with extra calls and for different time zones then on a Monday, I go live and do a weekly Monday pep talk, which I love in the Facebook group. We also do a weekly co-working session on a Thursday, uh, sorry, on a Wednesday. There are replays available for everything. I promise I'll always do replays. There's a plenty community currently based on Facebook and there's lots of ongoing challenges and workshops I'm always adding to the course. Plus, and this was the slide I was talking about, plenty is a community with clear values, which I adore. All of you, as in the whole of you, is welcome. Every supposedly contradictory part. In fact, it's not just welcome, they're celebrated and actively teased out of you. The community is consulted and kept informed. I really try my best to be open in communication. I don't always get that right, but I really try and ask people's opinions on things, share things, get people's input. Mistakes are discussed and owned. That means my mistakes. If I've done something, I will put my hands up and say, I'm sorry, this has happened. Um, equally, I really encourage people to own the mistakes they make in their business and talk about them and get support. We celebrate each other. There is no one way to be. Plenty is what I like to think of as a work in progress course where things get changed and adapted as I'm continually learning 
um, from all of the people in the group what works best for them and of course what works best for me too. And like I said, we value the input of our plentiful people. So there are three main steps. Build powerful money beliefs. That is the foundation of all of it. Um, and it's incredible to watch the transformations that occur when you jump straight into the course. This is the first thing you do is douse your brain in this beautiful bath of positivity and powerful beliefs. Then we go into deconditioning your beautiful brain. So we go deep into how the world's societal conditioning shows up in your money making. And that's where we go through the framework that I've been talking about today, plus an ongoing community that's not going anywhere. There's two pay main payment options. There's a single payment of £1,500. And I did look dollars wise, it's about $1,900. Um, or there's a six month and then there's a six month payment plan, which is 250 which is about $320-ish. But until Thursday, you can get the 12 month payment plan, which is £125 or about $160, depending on the old um, exchange rate. So that gives you an idea of like the three different ways. As of Thursday, my plan is, and I don't want to fully, I never want to promise things. I don't plan at the moment offering that 12 month payment plan again. However, I also reserve the right to change my mind. <laughs> but that's my plan at the moment. And like I said, once you're in, you're in. When you join Plenty, you are paying one amount in full or via payment plan forever access to the course and community. There's feedback on the sales page that you can read through. And often people are, if you know somebody in plenty, they're often very happy for you to DM them as well. And you can, of course, DM me and ask me anything. I'm really happy on Instagram. We can just type it. We can do voice notes. Sometimes that's a really easy thing to do. And so these money stories, we can work through them, but they keep coming. And so having the community that you can go to when you don't have that family or you don't have that friendship group that has that, or even if you do, where you feel like you are just held and that's part of the point that your questions are answered, where you can just be like, well, someone, often we get posts that say, I just need to share this with people who get it. That's a very frequent thing. So alongside the curriculum, alongside the work we do, and I'm, I mean, at the moment, I'm planning on some way that we can, because the course is pre-recorded, but I want us to have some kind of live element to get people watching the stuff. So I'm always tweaking that stuff. But honestly, the community alone is worth the money. That's worth it because that in itself I often say if I just get people in a room if all I did was get you in a room where people were open and honest and supportive about money you'd make more money and I stand by that uh, all right wonderful humans I've loved doing this I hope you've had a really enjoyable if not challenging at times time and I will see you all very soon bye